Meanwhile, on The God Beat. Hi, God Beat listeners. I'm Danya Adanki. And I'm Deshaun Mosley. And we're a couple of online editors here at Sojourners. A few weeks ago, we came across the story of what seemed to be an alarming number of missing Black and Latina girls in Washington, D.C., where Sojourners is based. The most overwhelming social media response was, why isn't there any attention around these girls? So we went to a vigil for the missing girls in front of the African-American Civil War Memorial, a monument right across from a major metro station in D.C. The truth of the situation was made clear. Black and Latina girls go missing all the time. Too often we don't pay attention because their stories aren't deemed worthy enough to report. And of course, the huge problem of missing kids isn't only a D.C. problem. It affects families nationwide. And the leaders of the vigil touched on that. But they talked a lot more about the village, about how the community can help kids when the government or the media or the police just don't seem to care. What is our responsibility as members of this village, particularly as people of faith? We talked with Morgan Sills, a leader in the National Black United Front and the MC for the vigil. She explained to us how she sees our shared responsibility, both as members of the community and also as Christians. Um, so personally, I am a Christian. And um, as a young Christian, um, I would actually say I wish more Christians today were a little bit more radical in their community involvement. Um, I consider myself a disciple of Christ. And Christ was radical. You know, he was turning over the tables in the uh, the changing tables in the temple. He was, you know, talking to the educated Pharisees, right? Not, right. Um, so he was radical himself. And I think that in the way that we look in the quote unquote least among us, the people that need the most help, and that doesn't um, certainly it was certainly means people that might not have money or the financial means to take care of themselves, but also um, people that are dealing with mental illness, are dealing with emotional stress. So. So um, a huge part of, uh, I, th- I believe, radical Christianity is is playing a part in organizational leadership. Um, <clears throat> and again, that's inside the church, and that could be with other like benevolent community organizations. But definitely taking that message of, you know, Christ said when you served the sick, when you visited, the, when you visited the sick and shut in, when you visited the widows, when you fed the homeless, and you clothed the poor, you're clothing me. Literally taking that message and playing that out in the streets. To me, that's radical Christianity. Morgan's description of our responsibility to be faithful members of a community sounds familiar to Christian circles. She quotes the Gospel of Matthew, as so many others are right now, to push for humane policies. But what happens when it's the underlying theology that accounts for indifference? White evangelicalism talks about spirits and not bodies, which is profoundly dangerous. That kind of a faith, that kind of interpretation of the gospel of Jesus makes it possible for bodies to be invisible. This is when we talked to Reverend William H. Lamar V from Metropolitan AME Church in Washington, D.C. We were fairly certain that this church had an idea of what a village looks like because it's been in the D.C. community since 1838. And the theological foundation to a lot of the issues that we have today is is an inadequate understanding of how God loves bodies, how God loves people. And if God it becomes flesh in Jesus Christ, then that means that we have a special responsibility for the bodies of these missing girls, for the bodies of those who don't have adequate health care, for the bodies of those who are not adequately educated. So our founding 
never separates the condition of the human body from the condition of the human spirit. And so that kind of a theological reality is the founding impulse of the church. And the reason that we are where we are, we're five or six blocks from the White House, is the brilliance of our founders was, we need a space close to the place of power that will advocate for that kind of a theological understanding. And I think that it must be said, uh, I was with, uh, we were with James Cone the other night. James Cone said, Roman Empire, American Empire, same thing. That we have to, as people of faith, not allow those who have political authority to do what they do in the absence of our voices and our body. Marching is not the only tactic, but human beings showing up physically makes a difference. It communicates to the powers that we will unify, we'll build power, and we are not afraid that there is something beyond the saving of our own lives that we value. I think everything that we're wrestling with, immigration, uh, healthcare, if people don't understand the holiness of human bodies, and I think that the church has to proclaim that, especially so we're going into Lent, right? We're in Lent, rather, we're going toward resurrection. We say in the creed, we talk about the resurrection of the body. I'm just very stuck on the fact that we have people in Congress, people who preach, who essentially, and I want you to quote this, do not give a damn about human bodies. They do not. Need some more of that? Stay tuned. We'll be bringing you more coverage online about how churches are working to build community and be the village for their neighbors. Thanks for listening to The God Beat. The segment was produced by Daniel Danki, Deshaun Mosley, and Sandy Viriel. Music by Manos Mars. Till next time. <laughs>